um, for inviting us to join you here at, at East Chestnut Street. Um, and thank you, Lauren, and for the Children's Choir. Um, that was wonderful. As many of you know, East Chestnut Street was my home congregation up until about 1995. And about several weeks ago, I was going through a childhood Bible, um, similar to this one, and I came across this piece of yellow paper inside of my Bible. And in it, it had my name in the middle, and around it, it had all these encouraging words. And um, I realized this was a piece of paper I got when I was a junior in high school here at East Chestnut Street. We had this encouraging activity where we passed papers around and wrote encouraging words on them. And that was just a picture for me of what it was like to grow up here as a real uh, sense of encouragement um, as a young person um, to nurture my faith and to let my faith come to life here. I just want to say thank you. So I haven't been around for the last 20 years. Um, and actually, it was about 1995 that um, I just started attending Oxford Circle Mennonite Church in Philadelphia. So what I'm going to talk about a bit this morning is, is my journey as well as our journey at Oxford Circle. And it's really a, a wonderful to have Pastor Jim and Beth here this morning. Um, pastor Jim was my pastor at Oxford Circle when I, when I first started there. And um, he really birthed in me a heart for that community. So I'm very grateful um, for him and for Beth. So I'm going to just reflect a little bit on the passage that you read in John 29. I'm sorry, John 20, 29. Um, Moses and Emmy, my two children, uh, my two oldest children, have been, we've been reading through the gospel accounts this past week as we um, talked about the birth and the resurrection of Christ. And um, we read this, this passage, I'm just going to read it again, in John twenty thirty one. And um, <clears throat> actually, before I get there, I'm just going to say, Moses and Emmy were saying, Moses was saying to me, you know, Poppy, I just don't know why I get so excited when we talk about the, re- the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about that. Why, why would he get excited? And I was thinking, you know, why wouldn't we all get excited? This is the best story in the world, isn't it? The best story in the world that, that we have a God who took our sins and out of that gave us life. And um, it's that life that we desire to see. I know you desire to see come in your own personal lives, in this community, and that we desire to see come in Oxford Circle. It says in John twenty thirty one, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. And that's something that um, has just really been on our heart, my heart, just what does it mean to have life in his name? And the good news that that brings with it. And that's, I'm just going to talk a little bit about that good news. In Isaiah um, 61, and then Jesus alludes to this in Luke 4. In Luke 4, Jesus um, declares his mission statement, and his mission statement is this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this mission statement, this is, this is a, a tall order, um, what Jesus lays out here. And it's something that um, has really resonated with us at Oxford Circle, this, this passage. Um, what does it mean, I think, for us? What does it mean for us to proclaim God's good news right in our community? And then what does it mean to bring that life, that, that restoration to him and to each other? And that's something that we, about 10 years ago at Oxford Circle, adopted as our, our very own mission statement. And let me just tell you a bit about Oxford Circle. Um, I know that Bruce... Campbell Jance um, is there uh, several days a week, and we enjoy having him in our building. But for some of the rest of you who haven't been there, let me try to create a bit of a picture. Um, Lancaster Conference Church, um, Lancaster Conference started a church in 1946 in Oxford Circle. 
it was right after World War II stopped. There was a, a community that was just starting, and um, there was a lot of rapid growth right in our neighborhood. There was a lot of white Catholic and Jewish people that moved in, and um, and really that the community was a white Catholic Jewish community when I moved to Philadelphia in 1995, but around 1995 to 2000, there began a rapid change of, of the community, and um, the people that had been there were sort of aging out, and people who were, as, as, the, as the houses were being sold, people from other parts of Philadelphia saw this as an opportunity to relocate, and, um, and also a lot of immigrants saw this as a destination point. The housing there is fairly inexpensive and fairly small, so it's affordable for young families that, that want to move in, and so... Um, and almost, in fact, the person we bought our house from several years ago remembers 10 years ago that in almost one year, 75% of the homes turned over in one year. And so what had been predominantly a white community was all of a sudden now the most diverse community in Philadelphia. So just to give you an example, um, the local elementary school um, was all of a sudden swamped with children. As you can imagine, all these families moving in, um, there was all, and where there have been Catholic schools that have been taking care of the children, now all of a sudden the local elementary schools were just swamped. And in fact, there's at least five different languages where English as a second language is taught in the local elementary school. So that would be Arabic, Mandarin, Spanish, Portuguese, and Creole. And so there's just a whole melting pot um, in our community. And it's also an area where there's been a lot of growth. So in 1990, between 1990 and today, there's almost 10,000 new people who moved into the community. And so it's been one, as Philadelphia's lost population, this, this community has particularly gained population. And so with that, there's also been some challenges. Um, and one of the challenges is that um, average household income has decreased over the last 10 years, uh, while inflation has increased. And also, um, about almost half our population is under the age of 23. So that's, um, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an opportunity, but it also pre presents a challenge. A lot of families are trying to make it on two or three incomes and trying to make ends meet. Um, and so um, the school systems where um, in our community have been, like I mentioned, overwhelmed. But then also the school district itself has been overwhelmed and funding has been cut. And so some of the things that, that schools desperately need, like arts and music and things like that, have been cut out of programs. And so um, we've began to ask ourselves as a church community, how do we live out this mission statement? How do we live out this Isaiah 61 call? And in 2008... Um, we, we, we felt that God was calling us to start um, a community development organization, which is now called the Oxford Circle Christian Community Development um, Organization, which Lauren Moyer talked about a bit. Um, and out of that, we began to ask ourselves, how can we begin to practically meet some of the needs in this community? And we, we realized that people didn't know one another. And so we, we began... What, what has now become an annual event for us. We have a community festival one day a year um, where we invite the community. It's kind of like who here has ever gone to a fair um, here in Lancaster County, right? You go to the Lampeter Fair or some of these places. Well, it's kind of like the city version of that. Um, we invite people to come out, sort of, and there's no animals. Well, we have had animals there sometimes from the zoo. Um, but um, we invite people to come out. There's activities for kids. There's places for people can, to understand what the resources are like. But there's also practical way for, for the community to know that there's a church that exists. So you look at this church and you think, oh, we know it's a church. But when people walked by our church building, they, some people thought it was a VFW. People thought, um, you know, 
the veterans of foreign war must meet there, you know? I mean, um, and because they didn't resonate with what a Mennonite church building looked like. But once we got out of our walls, people began to realize, oh, this is a faith community. And, and actually, after the festival, we'd generally see a spike in attendance where people come and check us out and say, you know what, I want to go and find out what this church is really about. Um, but we began to realize, too, that one day a year wasn't enough. Uh, one day a year to get out of our walls wasn't enough. And so the community development organization provided a conduit for us to begin to explore some programs. And so we realized that there's a need, as Lauren shared, there's a need for people to learn English. People can't get a job and can't um, thrive without having the English language in our society. And so we started ESL programs. We realized that the kids were not getting um, the opportunities to explore music and art like you experienced this morning, just that in the schools, because the school district had, um, didn't have the resources, and so we started some of the programs, what we call our out-of-school program. We now have 40 kids um, Monday through Friday coming to our out-of-school program. And then in the summer, we have about 60 children to come to a six-week program. And what our, what our real um, desire is, though, is to give the community touch points with us as a congregation and touch points with us as a community development organization, because we know that people generally don't feel comfortable just coming into a church unless they know who you are. People don't feel comfortable just landing beside us folks that are sometimes very different than what they experienced growing up. And so one thing, just tell you a quick story. Um, this past week I was downstairs um, in our church, and there was a mother who came in. She was new to the community, and she was standing there, and she was looking to enroll her kids in the after-school program. And, and as she began to understand what, what um, we offered, she said, oh, well, could I also, you know, one person in my family needs to get their GED. Could they come here? And then how much does it cost? And, oh, and you know what? I see in here there's a bunch of chairs. What, what is that? Um, is, that, a, is, that a, is that a church? Oh, could I come here on Sunday morning? And just this, this idea of people coming and then getting practical needs met, but then also this invitation to the gospel. Um, so in 2008 and 2009, we realized that our space was rapidly becoming maxed out. Our church building was about 3,000 square feet which is considerably less than this sanctuary space. And so um, we realized that um, we wanted to stay right where we were at in the community. We didn't want to move, but there was really no church buildings available. But right after we commissioned a search for a new property, the neighboring property, which was about three and a half acres and had a 40,000-square-foot commercial building on it, came up for sale. And we thought, God, you couldn't be meaning this, could you? Like, they're asking $4.2 million for this property. You couldn't be... Really, you couldn't really be asking us to stay here for that price, could you, Lord? And, and yet, I remember talking with Tim, and Tim and Jan Lehman are here this morning. Um, and Tim is just a real visionary, and I appreciate his heart for, um, for seeing what is yet to come. And I remember talking and praying and saying, Lord, if you want this to happen, then stretch our imagination. Help us to see what you want us to do here in this community. And, you know, through many miracles, God provided that space for us. Through many practical help for people right here that have helped, um, that building became a reality for us in 2009. And one of the ways that's a reality is that there's actually five commercial tenants that are there that pay us rent. Um, and also, um, it'll, so there's a community that's there in the building um, that includes MCC East Coast and a number of other like-minded nonprofits. And then also, um, 
we were able to expand our church space from about 3,000 square feet to now about 7,000 square feet. And interestingly enough, um, our church space is feeling kind of crowded now already again, um, which, praise God. Um, so, again, one of the things that recent, more recently um, God's been challenging me in um, personally is um, what does it mean to uh, invest even more deeply myself in the, in the next generation? And one of the things that Lauren mentioned briefly is um, I personally have started working for those CDA um, about three months, three, four months ago. Um, I had been working at a Christian um, health center in the city of Philadelphia, but um, four months ago, I felt like God was calling me to just put deeper roots um, in Oxford Circle. And one of the things that was a model for me was my parents even growing up. You know, many of you know that I grew up on a dairy farm. And, you know, we know that God is a good God because I did not like coming into the city as a child. I didn't like coming in actually to East Chester. I felt uncomfortable in the city. And if you would have told me 25 years ago that I would be now raising my family in a city and living in a city, I've told you you lost your mind um, because I didn't feel comfortable in cities. Um, but God, through his good work in my life, um, has changed my heart. But um, my parents provided for me a good opportunity to farm with them. And that's something that I'm very grateful for. It's hard for me to walk away from a good opportunity like that. But um, one thing that I learned is it's really important to invest, to invest in the next generation. I remember my dad when I was 14 years old. This is a story I tell often because it's something that I think needs to be replicated more often. He said, you know what, Richard, if you want a farm, I want to provide a way for that to happen. And the neighboring farms come up for sale. If you own a farm, you know, I'm going to take that risk and we'll try to buy that. And they did. And um, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But one of the things that God's laid on my heart is that there is a need for jobs in our community. There's a need for people to reinvest right there. And God's been tugging on my heart to think about what would it look like for you, Richard, to plant yourself more deeply in that community, to dream what would it look like for those jobs to come to life. Now, that's much bigger than me. That's, and as I'm realizing that we need a God who can release his power in many creative ways for that to happen. So would you pray for us that, that, that God would release his creativity in our community? God's also been challenging us to not get so caught up in programs, but to invest in relationships. And what does that look like? It's, you know, for, as church people, it's easy for us to just hang out with people who are like us, isn't it? We go to church, we hang out with people from church, we, I feel uncomfortable at times with people who are not like me. And God's been challenging us, what does it look like for us to actually know our neighbors at a deeper level? And so um, about four or five years ago, a group of people got together. This is a group that was convened by Tim and Jen, some others who already lived in the community. And we began to think about what would it look like to be better neighbors to our community? What would it look like to actually move into the community? Some of us live not that far away, about a mile or a mile and a half away, but we began to feel like God may want us to live actually in the blocks right around the church, something that Pastor Jim and Beth modeled when they lived in Oxford Circle. Um, and in 2009, Tim and Jen ended up moving from their house that they had renovated and moved to a house that was several blocks from our church. And they, 
um, began, you know, it's, it's interesting. I remember watching them and thinking, you know what, all of a sudden, the problems or the challenges that Oxford Circle faced became their own in a, in a unique way. And I remember there was a bar across the street from their house that was obnoxious. It was loud. There was shootings at nighttime. Uh, I remember hearing them tell stories about being woken up by gun violence at night. And they started to pray. We started to pray that bar would be shut down. You know, sometimes God surprises us. That bar was shut down. Um, praise God. And now there's a healthy business there. Um, we started to pray for the local schools. That, that God would, that they were under a lot of stress. How could we bring good leadership to the local schools in the midst of a lot of duress? And recently, God's brought a really good principal, a good leader. The school still faces a lot of challenge, but this principal was recently honored um, in the last several weeks as being a good leader, um, one of the few principals selected in the city of Philadelphia. And we praise God for that. In 2011, um, when Tim and Jen moved, they invited some other people to think about moving with them. And I was very resistant to that idea at first because <laughs> we just finished fixing up a house, spent five years doing that, and uh, had the bathroom and the kitchen just the way I wanted them. And... Um, <laughs> Wasn't very excited about doing something else. But um, God has a way of working in our hearts, doesn't he? And um, in 2011, Joel and I moved to, the, to actually um, right across from the church. And um, God's been working on us about how do we root ourselves more in this community. And, and, and again, God's been challenging us to not get too busy to get to know our neighbors, and so we've been thinking, we enjoy, you know, you can take the farmer off the farm, but they say you can't take the farmer out of the boy. But we enjoy gardening. We enjoy, um, and we've been doing gardening for, um, in a, at a plot about a mile away from our house. But, you know, Joel's been saying, you know, Richard, maybe we should think about planting a garden right outside our house. Why not? Maybe we could get to know our neighbors in a better way. And maybe, we, you know, maybe we should go out and hang out after dinner and get to know our neighbors. And so our kids are becoming good friends with the Muslim family down the block. And um, they hang out, and we hang out, and we're challenged to think about how do we share our faith? How do we express this hope we have in Christ? How do we live that out in ways that are practical? One of the things that I really appreciate what Lauren had to share about just prayer, um, several um, weeks ago, one of my neighbor, a, a month ago, um, one of my neighbors shared that he was scared about a surgery he was going to get, and he had some questions. And knowing that Tim is a doctor, and I said, "Well, let me just stop by with a friend of mine, and we'll talk with you a bit more." And um, and then we ended up having an opportunity to pray for him. He was uniquely open to that because he was scared about the surgery, and we had an opportunity to pray with him. And that's been a way to get to know him at a deeper level. Um, but there's much, much more to do. Um, and God continues to challenge us with that. And one of the things that um, we've been challenged to do is to pray, as Lauren said. And we invite you to just even pray with us. Um, Tim leads a prayer ministry at our church, and we have what's called Pray Wednesdays. And um, we gather several times that day to pr- pray. And one of the things that we often ask God to do is to align our heart with his heart, to unleash his creativity to give us his ideas because we know that we need our imagination stretched to see what God wants to do. And so um, one of the things that um, practically one way is if you think about us is you can pray. Pray that God will be giving us uh, his heart. And I just want to um, leave you with a couple of scriptural pictures um, that, that have been meaningful to us or to me personally. And it says in Isaiah 65... 
Um, and this is a picture of God's restoration. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will the people in Oxford Circle build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of the tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be able people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. And then from Colossians it says, So then, since you've been raised with Christ, this resurrection theme, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, Richard, on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So I'm just going to invite us to close with a word of prayer. Um, and one of, the, one of our um, heart's desires is that we would see God's kingdom come. So maybe you could just stand with me and we'll just recite the Lord's Prayer together. Would that be okay? Just as a response. And invite God to have his kingdom come. So, will you join me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated.